Hello, my name is Naomi Shi, and you're listening to MIR Spotlight, a weekly podcast that features MIR's Write of the Week as chosen by our editorial board. Today, we have on the podcast Grace Parrish, whose piece titled Fiscal Stimulus and the Worth of Every Dollar Spent unpacks the instrument of financial stimulus and why it has proven to be both crucial and contentious to restoring economic stability at times of crisis. Hi, I'm Grace. I'm a U0 art student, I'm still undeclared, but probably studying economics. And this is my first year as a staff writer for the MIR. Thank you, Grace, for joining me on the pod today. Thanks for having me, Naomi. Okay, so let's jump right ahead. So your article talks about the instrument of fiscal stimulus in the time of COVID. Can you tell us a bit more about what fiscal stimulus looks like? Yeah, so fiscal stimulus is allocated by governments in usually either government spending or tax relief as a mechanism to mitigate and reduce the impacts of a recession. Um, So it is really interesting to look at different cases of how it's been employed because sometimes it's employed as tax relief. So in 2008, it was given basically at the end of the year of the tax year it was like a refund. So for that, people were less active in realizing they had this extra spending money. Um, And a lot of economists say that's why that round of stimulus was less effective. Whereas now in 2020, it's being provided in rounds of checks. So for the average consumer receiving that check in the mail, it is perceived more so as extra spending money and is more likely to be spent and help the economy. Yeah, you talk about how the government uses fiscal stimulus in times of economic turmoil, like we are experiencing right now. And you also mentioned how it's spent effectively or ineffectively. So what makes fiscal stimulus effective? Yeah, so the biggest thing, which I talked about in my article as well, is that it has to be three things, timely, temporary, and targeted. So this is a balance of making sure the measure is most effective and needed at the time it's given, and that it's not being implemented once recovery has already started because that would actually hurt the economy more. And also that it's temporary and only necessary in the short run and meant to be employed in the short run. So not like something like a UBI that's just always going to be there. And that it's targeted so that it's going to be given to the people who are most likely to spend it as soon as possible and most in need of the extra money. And maybe just to put it into a more recent context, are there any examples of successful or failed efforts of financial stimulus that you can recall from recent memory? Yeah, for sure. So the biggest example that kind of relates to the way that stimulus is given now is in 2008, or the stimulus was actually given in 2009, but following the 2008 recession by the Obama government, who had just um, come into power, like right in 2009. And at that point, that case of giving stimulus is somewhat criticized more than now in 2020 um, with the stimulus we're seeing from the several, several rounds of stimulus. So that's interesting in that there's criticism around whether it was too little, whether it was too much, and that it um, increased a lot of the government debt. And it's also interesting to look now, people seem less critical, especially like conservative politicians compared to 10 years ago are less critical of this kind of acquiring more and more deficit, uh, more and more government deficit. A lot of that is because the Trump government spent a lot of money and acquired a greater deficit. So that standard isn't there anymore. 
And then the biggest example is now 2020. There have been, I think, three or four rounds of stimulus checks since the start of the pandemic, which I can get into a little bit later as well. And you also address in your article that this recession is especially hitting the U.S., the world's largest economy. And you talk about how it was almost a year ago when the unemployment rate peaked at 14.8% with 8 million Americans in poverty with the need of support from food banks increasing by 98%. So you mentioned this a bit in your last response, but what exactly has been the American government's response in terms of offering financial aid? Yeah, of course. So one thing we see in the U.S. is this kind of baseline of an already certain level of inequality, especially um, compared to the largest, most rich percent of the population. That is a very small percent compared to a much greater, lower income part of the population. So since the pandemic, when a huge amount of people were unable to work or companies were letting a lot of their workers go, Congress passed legislation that gave initial stimulus checks of $12,000 to Americans earning under $75,000. And this was part of a larger $2.2 trillion spending bill, the CARES Act. And this, once put in the hands of Americans, actually was seen to either pay off debt, go towards directly towards consumption, um, and then only a third was placed into savings. The idea with this kind of stimulus is that you want as little as possible to be placed into savings because if it's in savings, it's not boosting the economy right now. And then as the pandemic continued and continued, there was another round of stimulus in December of 2020 when President Trump signed an $877 billion coronavirus relief and just government funding bill with direct stimulus payments of now $600 to individuals, although there were calls for more money from either side. Um, Because even like when we compare this to Canada, Canada at this point was giving, I think, about $2,000 a month throughout the start of the pandemic until I think probably this fall or this winter. Um, And this was just two lump sum payments. But then in January 2021, recently inaugurated President Joe Biden called for another round of now $14,000 stimulus payments to bring like that kind of December round up to $2,000. Um, which since I wrote this article was actually passed. There was a lot of debate about like how much it should be still and who should qualify based on whether they made 10 or $15,000 more, like whether they made 50,000 or $75,000 and little details like that. So this plan passed the week of March 10th. And again, was like a really large $1.9 trillion COVID relief package. Yeah, it's interesting to observe that the Biden administration is so hands-on providing another round of financial stimulus. But just kind of going back to your article, you mentioned that since the start of the pandemic, 40 million Americans have been forced to file for unemployment. And you kind of contrast that with how large corporations and billionaires have seen vast increases in their profit. So I was wondering, you use this term, an unequal K-shaped economy to describe this trend. What does that exactly mean? Yeah, this was really interesting to me as well. It wasn't a term I had really heard before. And when I had, like, I didn't know what it it meant at all. Usually, like, we've seen a lot of people in politics and economists use the term of a V-shaped recovery to describe this kind of upwards trend in the economy after a recession. It's like a V-shape. But there is this term of a K-shaped economy describing, in a lot of those cases, that it isn't an equal recovery and that 
yes, the richest percentage of the population sees this increase, but the least well-off group of population actually sees their prospects getting worse and worse. So that's like the bottom half of the K going down. And it is really interesting to think about in the context of this pandemic where companies like Amazon have gotten richer and richer, and a lot of their workers are in poorer conditions, in working in unsafe environments because of COVID and receiving less compensation proportional to just how big Amazon is growing. So the idea with future ongoing stimulus is that it's going to go towards a more, to creating a more inclusive economy. And that's what, there's actually a great video in my article by Senator Elizabeth Warren, where she is describing this kind of economy where billionaires are profiting and everyone else is suffering. So the idea with this, like, especially new round of stimulus is to place the average consumer in a better position to spend on a consistent basis going forward. Um, And that's to the benefit of everyone because that boosts the entire economy. Yeah. And Grace, maybe for my final question, I just want to ask, what does the path forward look like? Well, I think everyone really wants this pandemic to end. And when we look from an economic lens, that will mean that more businesses can reopen and that the economy can reach its fullest potential and look towards hopefully a more inclusive economy and more inclusive economic policies. So that comes back to that K-shape and also thinking about making economic policy for the well-being of everyone, not just those at the top, because the reality is that if a greater proportion of Americans and it extends to Canada as well, if a greater proportion of people are doing well, um, the economy is likely to be doing well. And it's about thinking of like our different measurements of how we uh, look at economic success and economic growth and thinking about ways to ensure that we're looking at the average person over like certain metrics in the stock market and things like that. Thank you so much, Grace, for joining us today. No problem. I had a great time. That's it for this week's MIR Spotlight. Thank you so much for listening. And you can find Grace's full article in the link attached. Don't forget to follow us at McGill International Review for more up-to-date insights and analysis on global issues and international affairs.